Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it is us. I am your host, Game Goblin, and this is your gaming podcast. I'm sitting alongside my host and my co-host and my other host with the most... I don't know which one to introduce first, so I'm just going to point my finger at both of them at the same time and let them fight it over. Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side. Come in loud and proud. (laughs) And Kazarkan, the Lord Dragon. Railroaded off the fucking bandwagon right as you intro. Nice. (laughs) So, it's been an interesting time in the world, and of course, this podcast is all about escapism and all that shit, so we're going to escape, but I must, of course, throw out our obligatory like, comment, subscribe, share with friends and family, listen to us at work, and anger your grandmother by secretly loading us up on her Alexa before she goes to bed. (laughs) Of course, uh, with that said, let's get into some gaming stuff. Yeah, we're going to return to an old favorite. We've been doing it, and, well, we found a list. So we're going to keep moving down it as we talk about more creature types. Uh, This week we are... Uh, Plants and plantoid creatures. Fucking druids. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking florals. I hate druids. The only thing they're good for is druid fluid. (laughs) I use it to keep my headlights on. (laughs) That's right. So we're going to get into plants, and of course we all know the uh, classic story here within our group of uh, outrunning a shambling mound, because apparently they're dangerous. (laughs) Or in my group, our shambling mound almost TPK'd everyone. I still think it's funny you guys managed to have a dwarf outpace outpace a shambling mound while everybody else hid and just basically threw rocks at it until it died. Yep. (laughs) Interesting story, as an aside, uh, I used to actually live a stone's throw away from uh, some neighbors who all died mysteriously due to head injuries. Hmm. Yeah. Strange. No, actually, that's a dad joke, and neither one of you got it. Nope. Stones throw away. <laughs> Died of mysterious head injury. Oh, I caught it. Yeah, you will later. <laughs> womp, womp. Womp, womp. Okay, that's a fail on my part. All right, so let's get into some plants. I like plants, especially you guys know with my construct builds of uh, building poppets out of manganeel trees. Oh. Gods. Oh. You are wretched. Yes, I am. I also uh, love uh, crafting with my sorcerer. Things like poison oak and poison ivy, but we're going to be talking, of course, in today's episode with uh, gaming and, uh, of course, specifically starting off Dungeons and Dragons before moving into other stuff. Other uh, more mobile plants. Things that do things without need of a arcanist to help out. Uh, some of my favorite, of course, uh, when I run games is uh, molds and spores. Oh yeah, those are always great. Uh, yeah, they, they have the uh, yellow musk creeper in D and D three point to three point seven five. Always one of my favorites because when you fight something and you have to wear a uh, what do they call it? A, basically a gas mask to survive. 
Uh, and what it does, of course, is create zombies, which in its own right is a horror game material thing because it creates zombies. Plant zombies. Plant what zombies. the shit? Yeah, plants versus zombies. Why not synergize? <laughs> and of course, the player characters could get zombified by this, which is part of the horror because you could lose your player character by basically having a plant take root in their head and turn him into a zombie. So, the Yellow Musk Creeper is one of my personal favorites as far as spores and bolts go. Yeah, makes sense. They also, uh, one of the ones that I did whip it on a group, and I'm not that great at bringing evil plants into my games unless um, I get super evil, I, I want to say. But there is a uh, vine, of course, that uh, basically like a creeper vine that hangs up in trees, party camps out underneath it, and the vine basically lowers itself during the night and strangles people with that. <laughs> yeah. Because why have an assassin when you have when you can just have an assassin vine you just strangle somebody while they're sleeping? Yeah. No wonder why that fortress was out in a forest and the whole forest was full of those damn things. Dude, when, I, when I get crazy with plants, though, personally, though, I, like, go overboard. Because plants are kind of hard to bring in, like... Late uh, game? No, just as a simple aside, you know, like... Because players pick up on everything. Like, when you're describing the forest, you're like, oh, and there's a strange, bulbous plant. Suddenly, that becomes the focus of everybody's attention. Even if you, even if they've walked through this forest for days on end, and you guys have seen that plant before, A lot. I just described one as a little more bulbous than normal. Uh, suddenly, that encounter no longer becomes a surprise. And the problem is, is plants are typically a surprise encounter. I mean, the other alternative is you've got your various arcane casters, and they're part of captive monsters. Which, there's plenty of, you know, forest dungeons and similar stuff where it has the vegetation necessary for them to hide. And because it's already in an enclosed microcosm that is, you know, any given dungeon, you, you wind up in this sort of spot where the description of the room is less about individual plants and more about how the room itself feels despite being part of the dungeon and you know there's all sorts of really neat stuff you can do with plants aside from just ambush predators which most of them are yes but I do not play in those games on discord anymore uh, because apparently I'm too creative. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, when you have other players who are like, I want a plant that does this um, erotic fanfic stuff, and they turn to the item crafter person who's like, wait, I just need a druid and a couple of spells. Give me a few days to now, punch the numbers. Wait, you're saying they want a fleshy leshy? Basically, yeah, they want a fleshy leshy. Because they're kind of a tree hugger with benefits. <laughs> oh, they like to get a little sappy. Yeah, I've. They're on pins and needles. The yeah. one character that I've met that actually has that is still freaking weird. Just say, uh, it's actually really weird because plants are uh, the weak uh, species of creatures I can bring in when it comes to scaring the fuck out of my players. So I'm starting off at a disadvantage on today's topic. Because it's rare that I have a plant actually scare the shit out of people. Unless it's a specific gnome in a basement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
That worked out fucking tremendous. Uh, the, the placement of that monster there was great. And the fact that you, the group walked into that trap like eyes wide open. <laughs> like, we can do this shit. Yeah. <laughs> that was perfect. But most plants that I encounter, it's, it's like they're supposed to be ambush predators because they're plants. They don't usually move fast or you get things that are just like very one-sided. Of course, uh, we all know, and we're going to bring it up again, the Shambling Mound. Oh, yeah. They're slow but powerful. They usually most plant monsters are a one-trick pony, and if you figure that trick out, you, you can win. Yeah, like in the case of a shambling mound, its one trick is hitting you like a train, if it can catch up to you. If it can catch up, to and you. then you have a party that decides to go at it full force. And by the way, they got woken up, so uh, only one of them had the forethought to I'm going to grab my shield, because none of them had armor. Well, Brilliant. Yeah. That's that falls under player dumbassery, though. It does. And that's sort of... That's its own topic. And the other thing is, you know, with plants and plant life in general, there's two sides to it. Nightshade is a deadly poison, but in very minute amounts, you can use it as a sleep aid. Very minute, which is much above that, and you die anyway. But there is a multitude of different uses and different cultures will find those uses in different ways some um, some of these plants might have uh, let's go aloe vera right some sort of sentient aloe vera that's carnivorous I'm, I'm sorry my first thought when you mentioned aloe vera was actually like again I go straight to my arcane mind and I'm like how do I make a construct out of aloe vera to treat burn victims see well, you'd obviously want to make that, like, uh, it'd basically be an anti-ooze. It'd be like a medical construct that just walks around, like, places where there's fire wizards and treats people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Bam. Wait, That's no. a plant creature. Become... But if we're going to get into carnivorous plants, I'm going to be bordering very closely to some uncomfortable territory, uh... Because <laughs> my internet search history and weirdness <laughs> and stuff. Uh, and some of the games I played on Discord. <laughs> I'm just saying... Uh, but yes, carnivorous plants are fucking terrific in their own right. But if you bring in reality with carnivorous plants, I'm going to just tell you straight up, Kaz, I am not a green thumb. I have an onion growing on my counter that refuses to die. <laughs> that is the best I've ever gotten. Right? <laughs> I've had potatoes grow and then die on me, and I'm like, what the hell? But this one onion will not die, so that's my special onion. Uh, however, with carnivorous plants, uh, bringing this onion into factor is plants require specific nutrients or temperature ranges, soil compositions to really effectively grow. Carnivorous plants are by far the most picky yeah. when it comes to the, their growth. So if, if it's going to be a carnivorous plant thing, uh, especially if you were to take real life and inject it in your game world, whether it's fantasy or sci-fi or any of that... When people run into a carnivorous plant, they're not running into a carnivorous plant. They're running into their their habitat. Basically, their forest of it. They, they will be everywhere. So if somebody wakes up in a poppy field full of carnivorous poppies, they will be literally everywhere. Because that's the only place they can grow. And they will. I just wanted to throw that in as a side. If you throw in carnivorous plants, they tend to grow in clusters that are really tight in only specific regions. And if you encounter one... There Chances will are, be more. You'll step over another one within a minute. Yeah. And, you know, like, and carnivorous plants hold various different methods, right? 
Um, so some of them, like the Venus flytrap, it uses a sticky sweet sap, and then a fly or other insect lands in it, and it just closes, crunching it. Yeah, carnivorous plants follow uh, typically different uh, venues of capturing your prey. One of them is very similar to what you just described. I uh, do not remember the name of the plant right offhand, but it uh, it has a sticky secretion on the outside of it. When the prey gets in contact with it, of course, the secretion holds it in place, very viscous like a sap, and the plant will actually curl around it in a similar shape like a, a caterpillar and hold the... the insect or other prey there and as it decomposes it basically is sucking the nutrients out with these like little uh basically basically pointy proboscis yes uh of course you have pitcher plant type uh plants where they make a uh, slippery sap and they have a lot of uh stomach fluid just sitting basically it's a lot of stomach fluid sitting there with a cover cap that disallows for most things to get in there like rain to dilute the digestive fluid Item falls inside, cap closes, story over. It's basically a stomach on a stem. Uh, or, you know, underground. There's also a uh, flower in South America that... Uh, basically, it's a corpse flower. It just fucking stinks. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's those. Uh, it, it, it's fucking stink, and that's its attraction method is because most flies and stuff are attracted to that scent. They you fly know, over... But they don't get trapped or anything, they just basically get too close, and once they get in contact with it, the outer layer of the plant is actually poisonous to those species. They die and then fall down on the ground around it and neutralize or make the soil better for the plant. Right. Mm -hmm. So each plant has a different uh, capture and kill method. And some of them will also use this as a method of propagation. True. Like, um, I'm hearkening back to... The Future is Wild, which was an old, like, 2004 uh, documentary where they theorized about the future of evolution in, you know, several millions of years of time. One of them was a rot plant, so it looked like a rotting fish. The fly would come down and then get fucking launched somewhere else. Interestingly enough, too, uh... Just to, just to, since we're on uh, carnivorous plants and their different capture methods, now a pitcher plant would definitely not work with the player group unless you've got somebody who's really stupid and the pitcher plant is more like a mimic in a way where its lure is basically looks, looks like some gold coins at the bottom of a fountain, like a wishing well, but it turns out the wishing well is actually like some sort of plant that looks like stone and the, the player falls in. Pitcher plants, though, really wouldn't work out well with the group. But ones that have a sticky secretion on it that grows kind of like a moss. Yeah. And the players decide to climb up this wall of moss to see what's on the other side. And it turns out the moss is carnivorous. And it's basically a giant wall of flypaper. That would be more appropriate. Uh, also, I do, I do want to add, and just as a quick aside, I know you want to say something, so I'll make this real fast. In real life, uh, carnivorous plants are actually really fairly new to the whole natural world as we know it only dating back somewhere in the neighborhood of about 120,000 years. And the only reason I find this aside interesting for a game world is because the player characters do have the opportunity, if they run into a carnivorous plant or a killer plant in the world, you can make it new, like never discovered before. So we got our list up here. The group runs into bloodsuckles, never discovered before by anybody else in the world because the genus is fairly new. Yeah, it's right there on the list. Bloodsuckle. 
Oh no, I was looking at all the other stuff like what else do we got then? So if I were to introduce uh like this blood suckle into a plant, it's a neutral large plant, uh with blind sight. I would do it so that the player characters are like the first ones to encounter this plant out of the known world that they live in. Maybe they're from a human kingdom. The elves know about it, but the humans don't. The elves don't go out in that region, so it's never come up in conversation. Right. So it's bringing like, plants in as a new thing would be really awesome. Yeah, it, it lends to that era of discovery and, you know, how they propagate. And any kind of sporulation, fungus typically, mm. is also a really fascinating thing because fungus grows fucking everywhere. Actually, fungus does not grow just everywhere. It is literally everywhere. Yeah. At one point in time, our entire planet was basically a ball of spinning fungus. And yeah, it, fungus is basically the precursor to most uh, forms of life as we know it. Uh, fungus and sponges, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, because especially for land, uh, to make land viable for plants and stuff, there you can still find plants today where they have a mold that has to grow on their roots because that breaks down the actual soil. And then it consumes what it needs, but it makes way too much now, so it gives the rest to the plant. Or it makes it so the plant can permeate deeper into a soil that's more rocky. Um, there's all kinds of fun stuff with that, how it is the, the precursor to the march of life. But uh, one of the things I think we're really ignoring here is, what about tree-based creatures? Like I brought up leshies in a bit of a joke earlier. Or there's tree ants, or, you know, whatever you want to call them, tree folk, where it's actual sentient plant creatures that could go out and be hunting things in a wood. Trance? They're all barking, no bite. Ah. <laughs> I had to. All right, all right. But so that's something you could encounter a bit more. Yeah, and, you know, sentient plant life in its own right is kind of an interesting thing because you can now weave their perspectives. A plant creature is going to detect and interact with the world differently than something that's rocking a meat suit. Mm -hmm. Even if it is rocking a meat suit by hijacking it. And, you know, the the yellow musk fungus was a good example of this, you know. It basic basically is like, hey, new body, you're going to carry me around. I, I don't know. With recent events, it's hard to see a plant as intelligent, but apparently they can gain great amounts of power to the point where they can sign executive orders all day or willy-nilly. <laughs> uh, oops, <laughs> inside voice. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I see it takes a whole new meaning to kids remember to eat your vegetables. Well, you know, actually, uh, not just in roleplay, but real life, too. The hardest part about eating vegetables uh, is getting it back in the wheelchair. Yeah. I had to throw in a horrible joke there in case you're streaming this podcast for your grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm evil that way. I help you troll. But uh. there's a lot of fun stuff you can do with plants in the early game. Like, late game, yeah, it's kind of hard unless it's like a fucking... Uh, Entire forest of pain. Well, that, or it's like a fucking dragon that's made out of like a cursed fucking hardwood tree that fucking its breath weapon is just thorns. Well, not not even thorns. Like it is fucking. Uh, it's well, yeah. It'd have to be that breath weapon gives the same effect as fucking poison oak. Oof. Oh. I, well, I'm thinking. Well, one of the problems that I have with plants as a GM. And even as a player, because uh, it's a different problem on both sides of the same coin, when I play a character, when shit hits the fan, 
and there's no other option. Forest fire solves everything. Yeah. Most plants cannot outrun a forest fire. And if I have a problem in the forest and there's evil plants chasing me down, I'm breaking out my flint and tinder at the very least and being like, screw this problem, I'm getting all the XP. Plants usually don't do well against fire. Right. And here's an interesting thing. There are certain species of plants that use fire as a tool. Clear out the ground brush for the next generation. Pine cones. Pine cones is the big example, but certain varieties of pine and other... Um, Redwoods and such. Okay, yeah. so I'm being chased by pine tree treants. You know what I'm doing? I'm starting a forest fire, and then I'm selling that land to local orcs <laughs> at a premium discount. And then, when the little baby trains are running around, the orcs are going to have plenty of screaming sticks to burn in their fires. Well, you can, you can even go around that, because you can have, like, basically giant redwood treants that are, like, fucking stupid hard to, to fight, because they don't have any of that lower branch stuff to burn as easily. That's the whole reason they survive. Right. And They, they grow their those fleshy bits above the fire line. You know what? Flaming arrows. Problem mm. solved. Again, yes. And the other thing about this... And the is, best part is, a flaming arrow into a redwood tree's head will also kill all the elves living up there, too. <laughs> well, then you're just doing a public service. Exactly. <laughs> and that's also another interesting thing, is, you know, ancient treants who chose to have a small village parked up there. Right? We saw it in The Lord of the Rings. They're easily large enough to carry people. And if they're ancient enough and of a sturdy stock, they can absolutely have, you know, a hut. But a lot three of huts. them are, uh, they choose not, they don't like other sentient life because they destroyed the forests, even the elves. That fucking hilt that they have on their swords had to come from somewhere. They had to heat up that metal to forge their amazing fucking elf shit. That bow wasn't freely given from the tree. And that's, that's the thing. You can have a culture who does live in symbiosis with, the, with the, the natural environment around them. Which would actually be really good for an encounter. Say if you have a corn maze or a maze of maze. Ha! Ah. I had to. Uh. Uh, basically, you could have somebody out there and say, we, we've got another one on the list here, a blood maze. We'll go with that. The Blood Maze, maybe there's somebody out there who's actually figured out a way to cultivate this stuff. And the uh, razor-sharp leaves dripping blood span the length of this cornstalk while the snake-like roots dig into this off ground. Maybe somebody has figured out how to grow that stuff and basically grow a farm that is the trap. Yeah, absolutely. You get raiders coming in, all that. We're just going to pick them, pick some corn cobs off. Totally fucking, uh, what is it? Children of the corn, this shit. Yeah, children bit, of the corn, yeah. This shit, yeah. And that's that's the thing. I think that would actually make sentient plants a lot more scary. Is when people start worshiping said scary plants and try to lure the player characters or others into it to be living sacrifices. Right, and it's super easy things to do. I mean, there are so many pantheons out there. There's plenty of them, even in the D and D lore set, that are just dedicated to plants. And then druids besides. Well, there's enough going on druids or, or plant worship. There's enough out there that, like, har harvest festivals, even in real life, would have living sacrifices. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Living sacrifices is very normal for harvest festivals in the ancient world. Mm-hmm. You wind up in space and you wind up on some backwater planet where they're like, oh, it's a ship full of uh, blood to offer to the blood god so our harvest will be good. Problem for the players. Dude, yeah. And that's that's almost an entire campaign unto itself, depending on how convoluted and how widespread it is. Truth. Again, all these great ideas. Well, I'm still I'm still on an uphill battle though because I've never really effectively used plants more than like one encounter here or there. And that's the thing is, in order to really use plants, you kind of have to have a pre-existing idea how you're going to use it. Man, it has got to be fun to be playing D and D with a bunch of botanists. Oh, dude, that's got to be terrifying. <laughs> no, it's just no. like engineers. No, there, there. Uh, no. No. Uh, I've heard enough horror stories about people who, uh, this one guy, actually the worst horror story of them all, is a guy who basically had a group full of clerics, which is bad enough to start with, and Mm. the clerics all had Create Water as a spell, and about three-fourths of the group as sitting at the table, so about three out of four players, right, were all hydrophysicists. Oh no. Oh no. The creative shit they did with Create Water basically (laughs) killed the game and made that GM ban that spell ever again. (laughs) So I can just imagine a game where you're doing a bunch of plant based life and three of your players are sitting there as like botanists or really good at knowing their plants. Yeah. The GM is totally at an uphill battle. Oh yeah. yeah. He's going to be relying on that space magic excuse a lot. (laughs) Or she is, or they are, or it is, whatever. Regardless, it's the whole matter of when you have people who know a lot about a specific thing, it's like having fucking... uh, When dealing with undead, having people who, like, ooh, woogie woogie, I wear black all the time, isn't the same as having someone who is actually, like, an undertaker. Or the fucking uh, coroner, you know? Right. Like, I know exactly what to do in this situation. What state of rot are they in? Well, yeah, exactly. One so. of the first horror stories I heard about was a guy in Rifts, a former military, who was a nuclear technician. <laughs> and in Rifts, practically everything is nuclear powered. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. So his character had the skill set so he could play off of his real-life skill set. The guy was basically walking around with a backpack full of nuclear bombs at all the time. Uh-huh. Because he knew, in real life, how to turn almost any small, miniaturized nuclear power core into at least a one kiloton bomb. Jeez. And in a game where that's in everything down to your wristwatch. Yeah, basically in a game where you can just go and flip open the, the hood of a car and get yourself a bomb at a moment's notice. Yeah, he was very dangerous. I've seen... Like, engineers are also really scary in game groups. I have seen diagrams for an arrow that launches a portable hole into a bag of holding. Yeah, that's a classic meme on the interwebs. Oh, yeah. That's a meme. And, like, it's spooky. People using real-life knowledge is spooky. And, you know, again, with plants, you can use that. If you have that knowledge, you can really sort of leverage it. You can start describing red herring plants all the time, right? And if you do that, it'll it stops drawing attention to the plants themselves, especially because uh like one of the things we learned in nature class when I was taking forestry, uh yeah, I specialized in forestry for a semester. Some plants look a lot like other plants. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Mimicry. Yeah, red Mim- herring plants is a, a, a totally legitimate thing to pull off. That somebody sees a bloated plant, they investigate it, but it's not really the trap plant the GM has in store. It's just another plant that, you know, seems to be growing weird. It looks similar. Yeah. And that's the thing. You've got two different ways. Mimicry, which is its own sort of thing. Uh, stick bugs do this all the time. And various other types in the, in the insect world. They look like leaves, like plant matter. So there, yeah, there's plants out there that grow leaves that look almost exactly like poison oak leaves. But they're not poison oak. Just so that they can rely on the poison oak that's nearby to just scare so, things off. Yeah, just so that plant will have less chance of being eaten by a local deer. Right. And that's that's the tricky thing, is somehow, not only do plants do crazy things like involve evolve parallel tree, as it were, sort of like the double helix, right? Yeah. They'll, devo- they'll evolve into a different thing in the same specialization. And there's the crazy fact that you can blend plants. If you... <laughs> Which means that you can now blend plant creatures. Yeah, and I call him Herbert. <laughs> he just started growing in my head. I'm sorry, you guys... I'm going back to Fallout 3 all of a sudden in my head. And... <laughs> A certain tree person now that you're mixing plants plus people. Well, see, there's there's even more to it than just that because not only with the mimicry, you also have plants that do some really weird fucking shit with their seeds. Yeah, you know, I mean, you could totally have a fucking like the it, it's the largest plant non fungal plant in the world is that fucking was it bayou tree or some shit. Where its branches would just get so heavy, fall, and then grow into a whole new tree and a new root system, and it kept expanding, and it's like miles and miles of the same fucking tree is now an entire forest. So if you wanted to have some big-end, high-end boss, you just have that tree fucking start to come to life, or even the flesh-eating plant, or any of those sort of things where the whole forest all of a sudden is the boss. Yeah, and, you know, not only that, there's symbionts. So, like we've been talking about with the poison oak and the not poison oak look-alike, that they form a sort of symbiotic relationship between them. And there are very frequently times where, like, assassin vines, right, they, they get their height by something else. Typically, you know, a tree. And if you were to add assassin vines into a giant bayou forest, and, you know, maybe some other little, like, streamer-type uh, ivies, all of a sudden, you now have a, a walking death trap forest. Well, Stationary. Fungus, well, fungus is basically the same way. You look at a, fu- a uh, fairy circle in the forest, and that's essentially one fungal growth. And there are some that get really intensely huge. You know? There's the one up here in the Pacific Northwest that is the largest living organism in the world. Yeah. It covers, what, a what, like half a mountain or some crap? Something like that. And basically, this is a giant sub, uh, sub-topsoil sub layer of fungus growing throughout the topsoil. And just spreading laterally. And spreading laterally. And now if you took this as a, a myconid or some sort of a fungal creature that is intelligent, basically you now have a 150-kilometer-in-diameter intelligence. And if the group starts screwing around and it's forced, it may take that personally. Right? Um, 
the idea of the sentient mountain is something very similar to this. It's basically, you know, a mountain builds itself up over time and becomes sentient somehow. Mm-hmm. And now, all of a sudden, people are disrespecting it because they don't understand the mountain is the entity, not... Maybe it's not a matter of disrespect. Maybe just too many frat boys are coming up there to get high. I mean, that is also true. So now you've got a Michael Myers of plants trying to kill all the fucking teenagers just getting it on on his bark. (laughs) He's got so much wood and nothing to do with it. Hey, you know... Like the meme goes, the older I get, the more I can agree with Jason Voorhees. Right? And that's the thing, is like, now you've got a sentient plant. A sentient plant mountain, let's call it. Uh, this one here is uh, four square miles, so maybe I was calculating a bit high, but hey, in the fantasy world, anything can happen. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, now you've got a sentient thing. If they can, If someone finds a way to communicate with it, all of a sudden, it's a fucking god. Because that's how cults start. And now you've got a cult of hippies worshipping this planet. We also call them elves. They prefer to be called elves, knife ears. (laughs) Not all of them are knife ears. No, no, I'm not going to get political. I'm not going to get political. I've already done that once. God damn it. And, you know, this is is the sort of thing that results from a lack of exposure to the rest of the world. Or an overexposure of it. So, basically, Zuckerberg. Kind of, yes. Okay. So, like, when you think about it, Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg-ing, gets you this people-will-believe-anything spin, and you've got one or two charismatic fuckers who are just poking the wheel, setting it a spin. Alright, so, let's get to a, uh... Kind of an aside here. Can we pull that list back up? I think we we should pick out something here that looks uh, mighty tasty. Mighty tasty. Uh, Let's see. What do we got here? So let's take. uh, Ooh, that looks good. What's this? What's this? Forester's Bane. Let's click on that. Take a look because I have an idea. Forester's Bane. CR five worth sixteen hundred XP. Neutral large plants. This creature resembles a huge, dark, green shrub. Alright, so we're three GMs here. How would we use this creature? Because I've never seen it before. I know I know you guys haven't either. Uh, how would we use this creature in a game? As a, a foil. Not as the main antagonist, obviously, because it's got an intelligence of what? 52? No, yeah. that's its HP. I know. Yeah. It's got an int of none. Got into none. Okay, so it is a non-intelligent plant. So this is obviously going to be a random encounter. Yeah, and it, it even mentions that it's immobile. So, oh, it is so a- it is immobile carnivorous shrub. All right. So how would you use this immobile carnivorous shrub in a game? Castle. All right. So okay. you know how most castles are portrayed as having like this maze in the backyard. You know, just for funsies, right? Mm-hmm. It's more palaces, but yeah. Yeah, palaces too. If you've got someone capable of, you know, growing these things without being eaten by them, you could set yourself up a ring of, uh, just a wall of that shit all the way around your base. That way if any dumbass bandit decides, oh, I'm just going to climb over the wall. 
Well, you okay. can even go beyond that and have, like you're talking about, a hedge mage. Hedge maze. Words are hard. If you have a hedge maze, you go and you just intersperse these banes in there. So they're, say you're running the maze like a dungeon, someone tries to get in, the players, randomly, they will run into these. Yeah, absolutely. And they're not extremely hard and game-breaking, but... They put up enough of a fight that their choice is either run or try and kill it. Okay, yeah, I, I see two uses for this. Uh, if I was uh, running a game, number one, uh, if I was playing a game, and of course this is my inner uh, creator of bad things, <laughs> but I see a bag of Summon Nature's Ally right here. Oh. And I see an enemy who has the ability to say basically uh, sling these around. So basically sling stones... You fire at the enemy. And, and then hypergrow it. A, basically a hypergrow. So it's a bag of summon uh, yeah. nature's ally, but with this particular plant. So at the beginning of the person's next uh, start, that plant now occupies that space. So if that person hasn't moved, now they have a forester's bane occupying the square they're in, so it gets to attack for freeze. For freebies. Unless they get out of that square, but then it adds a extra layer of oh. combat battle tactic. Yeah, the tactic. It, you have to really balance Look, the tactic. It, it does touch attacks. Yeah, it touch attacks oh. with the grab. That's what I'm looking at. Oh. So if somebody's in that... Uh, so it's a 10 foot by 10 foot reach. So if somebody is in that 10 foot square, so if I drop it basically like an alchemist uh, attack, and yeah. they throw bombs... Oh I'm yeah, like, I'm going for this. Dude, I can here. see an alchemist doing exactly this, just like some yeah. weird blend of uh, druid and alchemist, just nasty mash yeah, this so, shit. So I or even yeah. rangers, rangers yeah. with a summon arrow. Yeah, yeah. A ranger with a summon arrow. That's the first thing I see is weaponizing this to be a battlefield control mechanism, or at least make it more devastating to the opponent, especially oh, if the God. opponent has large numbers. Yeah. Uh, secondly, I see this as, like you said, a defense mechanism, but more in a natural environment. Uh, say there's a tribe of uh, primal halflings. Okay. And they do not want to be raided by goblins. Well, goblins are pretty stupid according to the game setting. And, you know, any other race is going to be like, yeah. <laughs> stupid so, goblins. So essentially, basically planting a forester's bane plant right next to a sticker bush. So they, they try to avoid the sticker bush. They try to avoid the sticker bush because that's an obvious ouch-ouch and walk right into the forester space. So I see it as like a strategically placed trap by someone who wants to maintain their territory passively through those means. Yeah, and that's the other thing. It's a passive defense. It's a phenomenal passive defense for anything within its reach. Yeah, I see it as a... Yeah, definitely. Like, your idea of using it as a hedge around the wall or a... Uh, mage random daughter. Mage... Uh, a random thing to place in a hedge maze where it will blend in. Uh, hedge mage. <laughs> I, I, I ain't the only it. one. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's how I would use that plant uh, as a GM. Uh, even as a player, definitely, I would weaponize the fuck out of that in a heartbeat. But... Oh, yeah. Players will do crazy shit. Like, I've seen oh, yeah. stories of people capturing a gelatinous cube to use as a trash shoot. Landing, so okay. basically just chuck all the random crap they don't want into the gelatinous ooze, or into a chute, falls down and straight into the gelatinous ooze, which can't move. Absolutely. What I like to do with a uh, gelatinous cube is put it in a twelve by twelve hallway, so there is a way around it. 
Yeah, you just gotta be really skinny. But you gotta be really skinny. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorites, too, with the gelatinous cube. I know we're not doing the ooze episode just yet, and we're gonna get to that uh, here soon. Uh, however... What I do like is the falling block trap. That's a classic. Huh? Instead of a falling block, it's a falling ooze. Yep. Yep. Here you go. And a gelatinous cube is like five tons. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's like getting hit by five tons of jello. That's also acidic. That's also acidic. No, no, no. At, at that height and its terminal velocity, it's like getting hit with a brick. Yeah. A big um, brick. Let's, let's bring up another one of these here and uh, give our GM's take on how to use this plant. We let's just, look at Sard. What no, is Sard? Sard. Sard? No, that's a scythe tree, dude. I just clicked because I was like, I want to move. Ah. Sard. Uh, yeah, some up. of these are you know, really um, obvious. Yeah. You know, like the, the plant that puts people to sleep. Well, anybody who's ever played a game that's like Wizard of Oz knows about the field of poppies and stay out of it. Yeah. Uh, ooh, this one is huge. This is an in-game creature. CR-19. CR-19, total XP for the party, 204-800. Chaotic, evil, colossal plant. Give me that read there. This wriggling and leafless tree moves on spidery legs. Flickering motes of blood-red lightning dance in the cracks of its bark. Jesus. What no wonder thing. Where is this thing from? This is a Pathfinder role-playing game, Bestiary 2. I have that Bestiary. I don't remember starting it, but then again, I usually look over plants because my book is made out of plants. Uh, HP 333. It's halfway there. Yeah, it's halfway there. We're and it has fast It has okay. This is definitely an in-game ouch ouch monster because it's got fast healing ten, which means every turn it's healing ten points of damage. Dr. Fifteen cold iron and slashing, Holy and it resists fire. Thirty points of fire. Thirty points of fire and spell resist thirty. Gee, as well as thirty points of cold. Yeah, this, this is definitely, uh, this This is no true. Oh my god, two slams plus 25 does 4d10 plus 16, 19 to 20 plus 4d6 of electricity. Climb of 30 feet. This, okay, this is definitely like some extra planar bullshit right here. Because it's got control, weather, lightning. Oh, oh, I see it. I see where I would use this as a GM. Hmm. <laughs> uh, look at the spell-like abilities. Okay, because okay. it's got control, weather, lightning bolt, transport via plants, Chain Lightning, Lightning Bolt, Storm of Vengeance, and Whirlwind. I know exactly where I would use this uh, as a creature in my game, as a game master. Especially looking at its abilities, its hit points. Uh, yeah, it does have planar acclimation. Uh, speaks Aklo and Sylvan. So it is definitely an extra planar creature at that point. This is... Uh, a tree that if I brought into my game as a GM, I would, it's intelligent, obviously. It speaks two languages. It, not only that, it can cast spells. Uh, it's got an intelligence 9, which equates to about um, uh, 90 to 100 intelligence quotient. So IQ of about 90 to 100. Which is not which is a fairly respectable for a plant. Which is totally oh. respectable for a plant. It even has a charisma of 29, so I don't think it's from good looks. I think that's from its ability to uh, convey power. Uh, yeah. Insurance. Oh yeah, uh, and, yeah. It, <laughs> and when it dies, it explodes. I would use this actually as like a tool of the gods. Okay, like if I was okay. a DM, I would say that the Sard is a remainder. It's it's like a world seed that the gods had created when they created the, the primaterial plane or something like that. 
and it was infused with lightning and all that, the storm powers, to help the world and the forest grow, which is why it has lightning powers, to burn a forest so the pine cones can grow new uh, saplings. Grow bigger and stronger. It has weather manipulation so it can make it rain. This is basically a steward of the forest. At a gigantic scale. A gigantic this is like a continent guardian. This, this is like a continental guardian, yes. I would use this basically as a... Like a sapling from the original world tree kind of thing. Yeah. It is a steward of the forest. It is what created Treants, maybe. I would use this as more of a storyline creature than a boss monster. I mean, its stats are, like, fucking phenomenal. Yeah, it'd make a great boss monster. And it's got poison. It's got poison. It's got poison. It's got lightning. It's got resist fire. It explodes on death. Yeah. It shoots lightning. Jesus. This, this, this is thing is not nice. Yeah, as a GM, I would use this as, like, a world tree or a... Uh, forest tender, or maybe a creature that is uh, expressly put on the world by the gods to, like, fight. Uh, maybe there's a divine war going on, and it's put there specifically to fight against the encroachment of a desert. Yeah. So it's using these spell like abilities to make it rain and stuff like that to try to keep nature green and preserved. Uh, personally, as a GM, I would bring this in as some sort of intelligent creature there with a purpose. Yeah, it, you know. <laughs> Infused with lightning and raw life by the by one of the strange gods of the Fey realm. Oh, see, they are Fey wild trees. Oh, holy fuck, that explains so much. So now um, imagine finding one of these in a rainforest environment. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. One of these in a rainforest with all those lightning abilities. Bad. Exact. Oh, no. And then you think about one of these in a bayou-type situation. Oh, bay Oh yeah. Swamps, bayous, rainforests. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely this would up the ante a lot. And now, you, now you've got me thinking. Mm. If, it was, if one of these, a sard, was in, say, a swamp marshland, right, the creatures there would start to evolve a resistance to lightning because of the, the sard. And no pun intended, yes. You would definitely uh, start, like in a bayou, you start seeing a lot more shocker lizards. Mm. Uh, maybe even a blue dragon would move in, despite the fact that they're typically a desert creature. That's free energy. It's just, oh, it's just bleep, they're already redirected. Even, they're oh. already practically immune to lightning, so it would make sense to move into a place where there's like a major force of power like that. that just uses, parked there. That just parked but considering there. that blue dragons typically occupy deserts... Typically. I mean... So it, then, them trying to, like, a whole clan of them, because they do have a clan mentality, trying to keep one of these in an oasis. Ooh. That would be tough. It would be tough, especially because it is mobile, and mm -hmm. it shoots things. But still, so you, you've got some... you got a whole wing of elder dragons trying to keep this thing in. Yeah, it would take a lot of work. Yeah, well, this would go into another game that I did run where I had a blue dragon that did establish an oasis uh, because having an oasis out in the desert means that those who lived in the oasis had to live there under the good graces of the dragon king, mm -hmm. and they couldn't exactly run away because all the water was provided by said dragon. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, he was basically Immortal Joe the Dragon done when I was younger. Uh, but having one of these in there would definitely up the ante as to, like, a power struggle between two great forces. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. The tree yeah. not be able to fulfill its purpose. The dragons are there trying to keep the tree uh, so they can sustain their cult. The first Sards were created as a form of living siege engine, and they quite enjoy this destructive role. 
These things, these things are what druids get pissed off and summon. These things are what it takes like twenty-five high-level druids just powwowing at it, being like, "Hey, we got a thingy for you." So I guess our Panzer druids. Yeah, kind of. I had to. No, no. (laughs) I had to. Because I don't like druids. But, like, agreed. The the sard is is something that you place deliberately. Summon the panzer treant. (laughs) We must cleave the forest of the humans. Yep. And it's, it's interesting to see how much these plants are diverse. Like, plants are... Stupid diverse in the real world, just that we're walking about with. Mm-hmm. Just in the northwest, there are several hundreds, if not thousands, of different plant species. Just millions, m- actually. Millions, millions just in the northwest? Because they're finding brand new plant species in our backyards every day. Okay, so. Uh, a slight variance is enough for them to be like, alright, this is actually kind of new. Or simply walking around in any of our national parks and finding actual new plants. Yeah. It, shit totally. is everywhere. And again, plants are crazy mutable. We actually had this conversation the other day at work about banana trees. Yeah. Yeah. And how there's different variations of banana trees. And the bananas we have now are actually not exactly banana trees, but they are. Uh, yeah, so there, there's a huge variance to Oh, well, yeah, because uh, what was uh, some sort of fungal plague took out the capuchin banana, which is where we get artificial banana scent from because they were trying to mimic that. But when those died out in, like, the early 1900s, they had to go to the current banana, which grows bigger and fleshier, but its only real thing is that they're all clones, and it's a uh, fungal-resistant banana, which is why they just go brown. Which, if it wasn't fungal-resistant, we might not have bananas at all. Yeah. 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 Which would suck, because I love bananas, and I love potassium. Yup. Potassium. It's very it's relevant. It's got yum in the title. Yeah, yeah it's got yum in the title. <laughs> I also like potassium because I like it responding to people in text messages with the um, uh, the thing, the symbol for potassium. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Off of the yeah the, the periodic table. Okay. <laughs> uh, let, let's bring up another plant here because this one was actually really easy uh, as because it's basically written what it does. What's there? Yeah, exactly. Like well, the they sar- all have that if you look into it. True enough, but like not all of them really have a big blurb about it. Like that one actually has fucking lore. I actually think the most scary plant, though, um, typically, is a rose bush uh, being grown, say, somewhere around Texas. Oh. <laughs> because you don't fuck with a rose bush. You know, better not fuck with my rose garden. If she says that and pulls out a shot, then you were fucked. Yup. Do not fuck with the lady's rose garden. <laughs> Rosling. There was one I saw that was even better. Oh, Ooh. That one's actually kind of funny. Ravenous ta- tumbleweed because I saw a fucking uh, video about a killer tumbleweed. <laughs> oh, goodness. I-, I think it was some Tromaville movie. Uh, they had a, basically a tumbleweed running around killing people or it was some other black and white deal. A vampire rose. Okay, this is easy. A CR3. And is it a dead rose? Mm, not that I'm seeing. Ah, okay. I see where I would use this as a GM. So I'm going to read off some stuff here for our audience. This bush has many flowering white bulbs and petals, 
green stems lined with tiny thorns, and many small branches of greenish-brown. It is challenge rating 3 of XP 800, a small plant with no initiative, but has blind sight, low light, and perception 1, a very good AC of 17 as a CR3 creature, uh, hit points of 30, and a decent fortitude save because it's going to be doing a lot of fighting, uh, given its abilities. It has Camouflage as a defensive ability, so it blends in. Has a space of five feet and a reach of five feet, so it is a uh, rose bush. It's just a straight up rose bush. And apparently, you can stalk people. I don't know if that's a pun that they put into the description, you know, because it's about a stalk. But it stands motionless until its prey moves within a range, then it strikes with a thorny stalk. Opponents are grabbed and drained of blood. And then the petals turn red to show that it is a rose bush. And it's full. Yes. I know exactly where I would use this as a GM. What about you guys? Mm, I'm seeing a lot of noble court intrigue. It is going to have like two or three of these things cultivated. Ooh. Like you give a cut, you give, you know, you give an enemy a nice diplomatic gift of a plant. They grow it, they tend it, and then it drinks their blood. Win-win. Or ah. their servants' blood. Or their servants. You know, it depends so, on how how uh, observant so they are. So you think of assassination long game? Yeah, yeah. and this is this is court intrigue and noble noble bullshit all over it. Oh yeah. Well, and I'm, it's a poetic thing. It's oh, I'm sending you a white rose. It's a little small right now, so you're gonna have to plant it somewhere near to you. But that's okay. And you know, you park it somewhere, and now they've got this nice diplomatic gift they sign the treaty that they're doing some some talking back and forth over and then a couple of years later the dude just falls over dead yeah this this is noble manipulation and it's easy now here here's what i would do as a player less as a gm but as a player and knowing about this plant totally doing summers summon nature's allies stuff totally playing off my weeb mentality going yu yu hakusho the fox dude that use a rose whip using something like this where you can just summon them like right on someone's square yeah so that was my thing last plant yeah, yeah. and it, it, but, it is but a solid this it, it is a solid plant gm side i mean i could totally see using these as one-off traps or random encounter bait i would uh as a gm i would uh much like your heads maze uh, hedge Hedge maze, <laughs> much like that. However, I, I'm seeing from a storyline perspective here, I would do the tragic villain who cannot, uh, basically like a vampire or a white or uh, fucking even a ghoul. A ghoul would be okay for this too, or even an intelligent zombie. But somebody whose life has been basically destroyed uh, and they're trying to recapture some of that beauty that they had in the past. That's how I would... Uh, throw out the hook and line for the player characters but the only thing they can grow is of course plants that are not so nice like their normal rose bushes look like crap right and this one by the description of what it looks like it's just a white rose bush it looks like a rose bush that's uh, not too healthy so it would blend right into the greenhouse super easy super easy this would blend into the greenhouse so it would not stand out from the rest of the plants that the uh, garden tender is trying to grow and is an undead. They're immune to its abilities. Mm. So. No, Steve, no. <laughs> Steve, stop that. 
Stop. No biting. <laughs> Bad Rose Bush. <laughs> I mean, it's not intelligent enough to understand that. It's but, not intelligent. Yeah. It would still be funny, you know. Right? Because people do talk to their plants. All the um, time. But I would have like some sort of intelligent undead or otherwise person who's immune to its abilities. They're trying to grow something beautiful, beautiful, capture back some of that previous life that they had. And the player characters come in... And part of the dungeon uh, is they would have to go from one end of the greenhouse to the other end. And I would sprinkle this in, like, key locations across it. So when they get too close, suddenly what appears to be a dead rosebush attacks the crap out of them as an ambush predator. Yeah. And it's part of the defense that the undead has to keep the living out. Because why? Because the living typically hunt the undead. And, you know, they like to burn things. Fire's not exactly great for me. Yeah, fire's not exactly great. So at least when it does kill somebody, in a way they get that feeling that at least for a moment that rosebush is beautiful, and not only is it beautiful, it protected them from a lethal attack by the living. Yeah. You know, basically, your tragic villain. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I bring this in as a GM. Absolutely, and that makes a lot of sense. That's that actually makes way too much sense. Almost. Here, I've got another one for you. All, All right. right. Yeah, you've got the alchemist, right? Right. They believe they can do some esoteric fucking super juice out of this rosebush. <laughs> so they are capturing creatures and people to just throw into this fucking bush to keep harvesting off it. Okay, yeah, I you can see a it. mid-range villain right there. And, like, I'm just saying that there's, like, a villain out there on, you know, it could be a modern-day game or a future game. It would probably work better. But even in D&D game, it would work great, too. It's basically, like you said, you know, they're trying to do some green juice out of these plants. You know? <laughs> so basically, you go to 7-Eleven to buy a bottle of Naked, and it's made from people, so it really is Soylent Green. It's made by killer soybeans. <laughs> uh, you mean the ones that don't kill you slowly? Yeah. It's the stuff. See, that's... Uh, yeah. That's... That's really clever. Let's see if we got more. I think we got uh, time for another. Uh, we're actually oh, we've got three acid. minutes. We got yeah, we got about three minutes. All right. So let's just do one that's real quick. Oh, do not do that one because I will start singing. <laughs> you guys do not want to hear me sing about my dingaling. <laughs> How about f- suture? Uh, it's a little bit further up. It's uh, suture vine. Yeah. Well, that sounds more medical. How is that an evil plant? Well, let's find out. All right. Where's that? It's under S-U-T. It's in alphabetical order, dude. Shoot your mind right under that. All right. Uh, uh, A twitching, slithering coil of bright green vines is covered with hooks, thorns, and tiny barbs. A neutral tiny plant in CR one-third. So enough to annoy your first-level characters. Um, HP of four. (laughs) It has a speed of 15 and a climb of 15. So it is a pretty quick little kudzu. Special quality seal wound. Oh, actually, that is a medical plant. <laughs> a sutra vine can sense badly wounded creatures, including those at less than normal half their hit point totals. Oh my god. Oh, this would be evil. Four. Okay, here's what I would do is a GM, like straight up. We did the cult stuff before. But I see druids or rangers cultivating the shit out of this in hidden groves. Oh, yeah. And then when they get into a fight, they have basically medical bays in the forest they can just run into when they're bleeding and get stitched up. 
Oh, yeah. somebody's suffering from bleed damage, so a bunch of druids haul in their buddy, toss them into the fucking vines, and they just get sealed right back up in their hidden groves. This would be evil with druids and rangers, because they would have mm. basically medical facilities right on demand. Yeah. Yeah. Any bleed damage immediately ends if it, if it successfully snaps onto things. Remains attached for 24 hours, gaining nutrients from sipping at the victim's blood, but never enough to cause further damage. Drops off automatically once it has no hit points. Or no hit points. Yeah, and my, it's a medical. Yeah, it's That's organization, so solitary, pair, or clinic. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that I would have, like, in... Like, if it was D&D, &D and, you know, there's a warship of Obed High, mm. they would have a room <laughs> dedicated to the nature god... Which or, would include these things. Which would include these things. So you take somebody in and they put a fucking planter next to them and stitch up, you know, the hurt uh, player character. Yeah. So I got one I wanted to try and do. That, that straight up is... That's straight up medical. That's I, actually interesting that they have that in the monsters uh, section because it is helpful. Right? I thought it was. I thought it would be a nice twist from, you know, the doom and gloom that we've been talking about. Oh, yeah, I, I was thinking it was going to be more like something that sews people's mouths shut and forces them to suffocate. I mean, yeah, it plants a, uh, it fucking shoves its roots up your nose and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So uh, it shoves its through. roots up your nose. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. That's what you're worried about. That's the part I'm worried about. Well, no. Uh, mm. I'm sorry. I, I, I uh, What was it? Uh, Evil Dead 1? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, those roots did not go up the nose. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, okay, so our last plant here, uh, before we end the episode, is going to be the scythe tree. Uh, we're going to reveal how we would use this as three GMs in our games, and of course, from the previous plants, you've got different perspectives. So let's hope we come up with a different perspective three times over on this one. It is a mini-branched and twisted tree that has few leaves on it. In the center of its trunk is a long, deep scar. Oh, I see where this is going. Its roots are twisted and dark, as if blackened by fire. It is a CR6, so it is equivalent challenge to four level six players in your group. Per uh, single tree. Per single tree. Uh, XP 2400. So, of course, if you defeat it, everybody gets 600 XP. It is apparently chaotic evil. Does it have intelligence? Uh. Does it? Why does it have an alignment if it doesn't have? Okay, it's. It does have an intelligence. Okay. It's just as smart as people. It's, it's just smarter than a sard. It's smarter than most American kids who get public education. I mean, um, hey, we didn't not, say it. Hey, <laughs> I am willing to bet most people who've gotten a public education would fucking agree. Yep. Um, I dropped out and homeschooled for a reason. I, I barely made it out, but that's because I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. Up, up. It has an AC of 19, which is actually pretty damn good. DR10 slashing. So, obvious. Don't go after it with maces or pokey pokies. Uh, its melee attack is three branches at plus 10. Ouch. Dealing 2d4 plus 6. Uh, with a 1920 crit. Yeah, yeah, with an open crit range and takes up 15 by 15 feet. Speed of 20, so it is slow. You can outrun it easily. So this is not an encounter for a wide open area. Yeah, it's a, this is an encounter for a rather narrow area. Yeah, somewhere where they where the only way past it is either beat the monster, haul ass, and take a bunch of attacks of ops, or just 
don't fucking go there. Uh, it has, of course, vulnerability to fire. Like I said earlier in the episode, fire solves everything. You can deal with plants. It has a cleave. Oh, it has cleave. <laughs> and improved critical. critical. Cannot be tripped. Well, duh. duh. Uh, plus 12 store stealth and forest. Okay, so what this... Uh, it, it is an ambush. It is an ambush predator, straight up. Heavily forest areas where they blend in with normal trees. I know exactly where I would use this. Referring um, a diet of dryad or elf flesh. <laughs> I like this tree more and more. Yep. <laughs> I know exactly where I would use this. Um, if I was running a game, of course, I would have to seed it in with some sort of you know storyline instead of make it completely random. Uh, if I was writing a story, I would say that there's a witch in the forest who's got some notoriety, but they've also got contacts with the forest denizens. Yeah, this not-so-friendly witch and or hag or whatever, this is the door guardian to where this uh, individual basically lives in their fortified uh, forest bunker. Right. And to get there, you have to go through basically uh, where the ground is split. So, uh, a ravine. Basically a ravine. Like uh, a forest ravine or a... Yeah, like, a valley. Like a natural growth or a forest ravine. And this tree is basically like in the middle of it. Except for the fact that you can have between four and seven as well. It's solitary or grove, but in a solitary situation, I would definitely have this as basically the gate guardian. Unless the players get too close, there's not going to be an encounter. But if they get too close, the tree will suddenly attack. But there would be other trees that look very similar, either glamoured or for real. So nobody knows where the ambush is going to come from. Yep. But yeah, it would definitely open up with a stealth attack. Uh, hit him right off. Start using that cleave all willy-nilly. And the fighting location would be funneled. So there's only two ways for the, the players to go. They either keep fighting and go forward. Or they'd be like, screw this and just back out. Because they can outrun the tree. Yeah. But this, is, this would be the indicator that maybe what they want to do and get through that ravine to the other side may not be worth it. See, I'd be an even bigger dick. Okay. So you've got that big chasm, right? And there, there's already a tree laid across it. Oh. You have this tree right there at the other end. Right near the other tree that fell down mysteriously and became a bridge. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so they basically have to uh, make... Acrobatics checks every turn to cross a tree over the ravine. Yes. That, that would be dickish. That would be very dickish. And that would definitely be something I could see a rather <laughs> disgruntled set of druids, you know, parking somewhere. Oh, definitely. Because, yeah, that would control the flow. And that would be very tactically uh, in mind. And the tree would just, you here, know, free munchies. Here, I was going for, like fucking balance, and you're just like, no, fuck you, up the ante. Full <laughs> puncture attack tree. <laughs> and, like, let's let's also take a look at how heavy these things are. They are a ton and three quarters. Where does uh, it say that? Where is right it here. It weighs about 3,500 pounds. Oh my god! A has a 20 feet tall, but may reach 30, uh, and a trunk diameter of 3 feet. It is not a small entity. And the other thing is, now you have a weight? You can have two or three of these things that take jump tactics. 
So they have little headbands with a little red dot in the middle and go, ah! <laughs> I don't think they'd scream, but yes, that could be something. The whistling wind in their branches. <laughs> no, that, no, 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 because for every one you add, the challenge rating would have to go down and their hit points would have to be halved. Because as we all know, ninjas get weaker in large groups. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm talking they... more about kamikaze trees, but uh, sure. Hey, you know, like they say, everything is a bomb if you're brave enough. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the other thing is you could not mix them with treants or dryads because they are munchies. Oh, or unless, uh, again, another GM aside, is a corrupted dryad. Uh, if you were doing a storyline where the, the players run into, you know, the friendly dryad who's here to help walk them through the forest safely, but it's a corrupted dryad who's actually leading it to her friend. Or who, friends. Or her friends. I mean, yes, I can absolutely see that. That, and, you that know, would just be fucking mean. Or a dryad of one of these things, which True. would probably keep it safe from biting oh, itself. Oh my god, wait, no, you've got Faye in the forest, right? And they totally, like, fuck with your shit or steal something to make you chase them. And, and then they've got this tree and they've got it, like, somehow frozen or still. Oh my god, it's a red cap arena. <laughs> <laughs> red caps lead people in here to, like, make bets on who's going to survive. <laughs> yes. Oh, that would be just, like, totally fey right there. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That's brilliant! Oh, man. Place your bets. Will the uh, barbarian survive or the wizard? <laughs> right? Winner gets all their stuff. <laughs> um, the tree gets free food. The fag of entertainment. Yeah, this would totally be a red cap like oh, arena yeah. area. Totes. Two may enter, one may leave. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> See? Oh, that'd be fucked up too. And of course, you take the corrupted dryad and put it up in the tree's branches. So now it's master blaster. <laughs> oh okay. god, the fag. Uh, All right, I think we've got far enough. My final thoughts is plants are wildly diverse. I do admit they are my weak point as far as GMing. But uh, if used correctly, and of course I was going a lot storyline here, uh, they do have a lot of opportunity to be used as traps, not just as uh, random encounters. And if you set things up in advance in your dungeon, especially like a hedge maze or a rose garden or political intrigue plants... They do have uses that are not just immediately apparent, but have long-standing lingering results. Uh, so my final thoughts is plants is still a completely valid uh, weapon. I just don't use it very often on my players. But it does have its place. It has its time. Uh, like they say in real life, the same goes in game. Know when to pick your fights. I would say that my final thoughts are... Do a little bit of digging about plants if you're going to use them. No pun intended? Haha. -ha. Okay. Um, because the more you have a general idea of what plants can do and what plants can do with the tissue of other plants because you can graft them, all sorts of crazy shit there. Oh yes, graft plants is a great feat. I used it a lot um, in places. Go, keep going. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you need to sort of... I think plants need forethought when you're dealing with them because especially the carnivorous ones are probably going to try and eat the people growing them. 
So you need forethought. You need, you know, a druid on hand or a ranger or something that can, you know, go to sleep. Go to sleep. Take a nap. You'll be able to eat in the morning. Sort of shit. So how you use them is interesting and how you place them is important. What about you, Mr. Blasphemous? Well, remember, I am not afraid to kill you with a shambling mound when you are three levels too low to face it. <laughs> I will use plants to my advantage because no one ever expects the plants. You can walk into my greenhouse and yeah, I may distract you with a, a magic item that's a canister that summons a swarm of spiders, but... If you really, really want to know what I do, there's five assassin vines that are just waiting for you to stay still. Alright, well, I think that's our episode on plants. I hope we've uh, put something in here that can make your game better or actually, you know, maybe give you a thought you haven't considered. That's why we <laughs> Planting have, the seeds. Planting the seeds. That's why we have three in. Just three tilling the soil here. With, uh, three differing <laughs> opinions on many things. Uh, that is me, Game Goblin. Going back to my crypt. Kazarkan, back to the skies. Darth Blasphemous, signing off. I don't know, my stomach's telling me, feed me, Seymour, feed me. <laughs>